Hello, everybody. Welcome. Once again, as we continue on in our study uh, through the Bible, we're studying the entire Bible. Right now, we're working through the Old Testament. Um, we have uh, we spent five years on the New Testament. We're a year and change into the Old Testament of a 15-year journey. I hope you will all stay with me till the end. And uh, um, as we work through a chapter at a time, a week at a time, um, and we look at the Bible in context, and it's a very helpful way to study the Bible and um, just sort of see how it all fits together, how it all ties together. Right now, we're looking through the book of Exodus together, and we are up to the ninth chapter of the book of Exodus. Exodus is a, it's a fascinating book. Um, they all are fascinating. I'll say that about all of them. It's, it's generally my favorite when I'm reading it, and... Uh, um, they're all like that. Uh, and uh, there's just so much going on and so much that applies to us uh, today, and particularly in Exodus, uh, as we read through the Exodus account, and we'll get back to it again today, you know, uh, we're in this, um, we're looking at these plagues that beset Egypt, and, um, you know, looking at them and watching what happens, there's reasons for them that you need to know, but but you know, in, in keep in mind that God was fulfilling purpose through through these plagues. Um, he was demonstrating first off to Pharaoh and his officials um, that he was who he said he was indeed, and um, that that he alone is the true and living God. Um, at the same time that he's doing that, he's also letting the people of Israel know that same thing. Uh, the people of Israel now, having been in bondage uh, and captivity for four hundred some years there in Egypt, uh, had begun to worship the false gods of Egypt. And so God is using these plagues to, uh, and sort of each one of them kind of counteracts one of these uh, deities in Egypt. There was like over 80. And um, he's reminding his people of who he is. And uh, so uh, he wants them to know that he can trust them. And he's uh, going to deliver them in a, in a mighty way and, and he's, you know, he, he wants them to know he can trust them because they're going to need to do that as they continue on in their journey throughout life. And it's, you know, one of the things that God continually wants from us today is he wants us to know that we can trust him. And I think it's an ongoing and huge effort um, and that it's, it's probably one of the most important things that happens is that you learn to trust God. And that you learn to trust Him in a variety of situations and circumstances, and that, that you can trust Him, uh, even in the midst of living in a, in a fallen world on a broken planet. But we learn those things over time, and, and um, He wants us to know those things. And He wants His people to know that now here in the book of Exodus. So um, he's, he's letting His people know that He's fighting for them and that He's with them, and they don't need to be worried or afraid. And so these, these plagues are happening. Remember, um, before we dig back in, too, I said in Exodus, there's four things that I sort of want you to remember about the book of Exodus. You know, when we did Genesis, I sort of gave you four things that were important sort of events. Four things from Exodus. And it's Passover, then it's crossing the Red Sea, the law, and the tabernacle. So as we get to those things, you, you need to sort of understand that's what's happening in Exodus. So you you can kind of go back to, well, that's, that's what's happening in that point in history. And right now, um, these, these plagues are leading up to um, the, the Passover. 
which is going to happen, you know, at the 10th plague, at the death of the firstborn son. And um, you're going to see as you watch how in that plague, um, the blood of the lamb is what protects them over the doorpost. And you'll, you'll, you'll know then how that ties into our understanding of how Jesus was sacrificial lamb and how his blood covers us uh, and how, um, you know, we're, we're now in Christ. We're passed over from death to life and, and that we live eternally and that all these things are being foreshadowed back here um, in this process and that the Passover meal itself as it's celebrated, um, every time it's celebrated, these, uh, these ten plagues are, are talked about and, and the people of Israel knew them throughout their history. They, were, they went over them every year and they were, they were taught from the younger, uh, from the older to the younger so that they knew that they, these things happened. Uh, and the idea was that as Jesus comes to fulfill these things, they would see him in the midst of it. And those, indeed, who had eyes open to see saw what was taking place and understood it. But I want to make sure that you're catching it and why we're building up to um, that event in these first 14 chapters or so leading to uh, the Passover. And so we've had um, four plagues so far in the first uh, that we've looked at in the last couple of chapters through chapter 8. Uh, it was the, the water turning to blood, frogs, which I made, was told you was one of my least favorite, um, gnats, which would rank up there as not being one of my favorites either, or flies. None of them are good. Um, but pretty much so far, they've just been annoying, uh, to say the least. Uh, they, they start to get far worse than annoying here shortly. And... Uh, uh, it, it starts to wreak havoc on the economy of Egypt and it really devastates it. And remember, one of the reasons that Pharaoh won't let the people go um, because he doesn't want to lose a week's labor, um, he's about to forfeit everything in his stubbornness uh, as these plagues continue and continue to get worse in the journey. And so um, the first four plagues, we're going to see they've come, they've gone. The, the Hebrew slaves, nothing's improved yet. They're still stuck in bondage. Um, Pharaoh is uh, just consistently saying no and refusing to let them go, or he's saying he will, and then he backpedals and he won't. Um, but this chapter, there's three plagues coming up. You're going to see that in this chapter, there's not any bargaining that goes on. There'll be a little more later on, but, uh, but pretty much uh, Pharaoh's just going to keep his refusal in place. Um, and it's, it's getting worse and harder on the people. And, uh, and again, it's, it's this economic ruin that's going to take place this time. So let's, uh, let's read it, and then we'll talk about it uh, on the other side. Exodus chapter 9, 35 verses. I'm reading out of the NIV. That's what's in the notes coming up overhead. Whatever translation you have is fine. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, now this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go and continue to hold them back, the hand of the Lord will bring a terrible plague on your livestock in the field, on your horses and donkeys and camels, and on your cattle and sheep and goats. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and that of Egypt so that no animal belonging to the Israelites will die. The Lord set a time and said, Tomorrow the Lord will do this in the land. And the next day the Lord did it. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, 
but not one animal belonging to the Israelites died. Pharaoh sent men to investigate and found that not even one of the animals of the Israelites had died. Yet his heart was unyielding, and he would not let the people go. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of soot from a furnace and have Moses toss it into the air in the presence of Pharaoh. It will become fine dust over the whole land of Egypt, and festering boils will break out on men and animals So they took soot from a furnace and stood before Pharaoh. Moses tossed it into the air, and festering boils broke out on men and animals. The magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils that were on them and on all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said to Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, Get up early in the morning, confront Pharaoh, and say to him, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. Let my people go, so that they may worship me. Or this time, I will send the force of my plagues against you and against your officials and your people, so you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. For by now I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague that would have wiped you off the earth. But I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. You will set yourself against my people and will not let them go. Therefore, at this time tomorrow, I will send the worst hailstorm that has ever fallen on Egypt from the day it was founded till now. Give an order now to bring your livestock and everything you have in the field to a place of shelter because the hail will fall on every man and animal that has not been brought in and is still out in the field and they will die. Those officials of Pharaoh who feared the word of the Lord hurried to bring their slaves and their livestock inside. But those who ignore the word of the Lord left their slaves and livestock in the field. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the sky, so that hail will fall over Egypt, on men and animals and on everything growing in the fields of Egypt. When Moses stretched out his staff toward the sky, the Lord sent thunder and hail and lightning flashed down to the ground. So the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. Hail fell and lightning flashed back and forth. It was the worst storm in all the land of Egypt since it had become a nation. Throughout Egypt, hail struck everything in the fields, both men and animals. It beat down everything growing in the fields and stripped every tree. The only place it did not hail was the land of Goshen, where the Israelites were. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron. This time I have sinned, he said to them. Sorry, I think that's funny. (laughs) This time. Not the rest of the time. Not the gnats and the flies and the frogs and the boils. This time I have sinned. The Lord is in the right and I and my people are in the wrong. Pray to the Lord for we've had enough thunder and hail. I will let you go. You don't have to stay any longer. Moses replied, when I have gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands in prayer to the Lord. The thunder will stop and there will be no more hail. So you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But I know that you and your officials still do not fear the Lord. The flax and barley were destroyed since the barley had headed and the flax was in bloom. The wheat and spelt, however, were not destroyed because they ripened later. Then Moses left Pharaoh and went out of the city. He spread out his hands toward the Lord. The thunder and hail stopped and the rain no longer poured down on the land. When Pharaoh saw that the rain and hail and thunder had stopped, he sinned again. He and his officials hardened their hearts. So Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he would not let the Israelites go, just as the Lord had said through Moses.
Blessed be the word of the Lord. All right, so a lot of stuff going on um, in this interaction and uh, um, pretty specific plagues taking place here. So let's kind of run through them. In the first seven verses, the fifth plague comes. Um, Moses announces to Pharaoh that unless he releases the Israelites within 24 hours, all the livestock in the Egyptian fields would be um, the next target for destruction of the power of God. And that um, God would send uh, um, uh, some kind of plague on the horses, donkeys, camels, cattle, sheep, and goats in the fields, and they would die. Um, so we don't know what sort of pestilence he sent, but sure enough, we know that all of the animals in the fields died. Now you're going to see in the plague of hail that there's livestock again, and people go, well, if they all died in the field, where'd they go? Well, they weren't all in the field when it came. Some would have been in shelters and in barns and in different spots, and they survived. This first one, it was, it was just the ones in the field. And um, so all of the livestock in the field, imagine again what you're dealing with in a catastrophe of that magnitude and just trying to deal with the result of that many animals um, dying and how, it, how what an impact that would be to everything that they did um, in the process. And um, the, um, the livestock, uh, a lot of the little g-gods of Egypt identified with bulls and cows and rams and other livestock. So it was another attack against the little g-gods of Egypt that they were, you know, nothing compared to God and uh, had no power in and of themselves and, and could do nothing. Um, and at the same time, God protects all the livestock of the Israelites. So, uh, and I like the fact that, that Pharaoh sent somebody and had a look. And uh, sure enough, that's what happened. And, you know, so they're, they're seeing all these things and they're thinking about all these things, but he's refusing... Uh, again, to let the people of Israel go. He's just not going to have any of it. At this point, he's just gotten stubborn. And, and, um, and so the, the, all the livestock of the Jewish people is fine. And we know that they had plenty of livestock. Remember when they came, uh, as we studied in Abraham, they brought all sorts of livestock with them. And um, they were allowed to keep it, even during their bondage. And because at the Exodus, they take them with them, and they have a lot of livestock. So when they actually get to leave, um, they have a lot of livestock in the process. So, uh, how does Pharaoh respond? He just hardens his heart, and, and uh, he refuses to let them go once again. Um, and, and so, he subjects himself and the people of Egypt and the land of Egypt to another plague. And um, the sixth plague uh, pops up in verses 8 through 12, and there's no warning with this one. There's no advance warning. There's no, this is what's going to happen. God just tells Moses, take some soot and, uh, from a furnace and throw it in the air. And when you do, um, boils are going to break out on all of the people and all of the remaining animals in Egypt. And uh, sure enough, that's what happens. Moses comes, handful of soot in the air, boils, boils everywhere. That kind of rhymed. That was on the spot, too. That's pretty good. Someone write that down. <laughs> um, and Pharaoh summons his magicians again. Maybe he can get some action from them, and they're, they're, they, can't even, they can't get to the palace. They can't move. They're, 
they're, uh, painful um, boils is what they're covering. They, it, they basically are just shut down from everything. And, uh, and remember, the Egyptians were obsessed, we know, um, with cleanliness. And, and so this would have been not only painful, but horribly embarrassing to them uh, and these sores uh, of trying to get anything done. And so, um, so now you've got the nation of Egypt, um, you know, devastated, in effect, in land and people uh, and animals, also in great pain, and still Pharaoh won't yield, um, and he continues to resist the Lord, and, uh, and it's about to get ratcheted up again. So each one of these things gets more and more difficult and harder on the people. Um, so, you know, you almost look at it and you think, well, there's six plagues and still no movement on the part of Pharaoh. <clears throat> but God is making a point, and he knows that he's going to have his way in the end, and he's reminding his people. It's, it's really what you need to get, that he is who he said he is. He's God. He's in charge, and, and he wants to make sure they know it. And, and now... So remember, not only is Egypt experiencing things, the people of Israel are seeing these things, and they're also aware of the fact that they're not being harmed by them. So they know that this is going on, and yet their, their livestock's fine, their people are fine, no boils, none of those things are happening to them in the process. <clears throat> now, there's another warning in verses 13 through 21, uh, and this is actually the longest warning that's been given so far. Um, you know, perhaps because it's introducing the most destructive plague that God um, will have sent this far. And um, uh, he asks again, you know, you need to let my people go. And this time um, he adds a special warning. The God of the Hebrews was about to release the full force of his plagues on Pharaoh, the people, and the land. And so he's letting them know that up till now, as bad as it's been, it's nothing compared to what's coming in the process. And, and you know, he's, <clears throat> you, you deal with this thing. We've talked about this, the whole hardening of the heart thing. Um, and, and, and like, see, God knows that's going to be Pharaoh's response, but people's hearts harden because you, you want to blame God for it, but, but people have opportunity. I, I think even then, even now, when God is looking into a situation, He sees it outside of time, so He knows what Pharaoh's response is going to be, because he, He's not having to deal with time the way that we do. Um, do you, does that make sense when I say that? He, um, sometimes we struggle with that, but God sees things outside of time. We're stuck in time. It's for us. So we can't see what's coming, but God sees things differently. So maybe this will help. Maybe it doesn't, but I always like this. This helps me in my thinking process with how God is doing the things that he does sometimes. You know how he knows the things that he knows. Um, have, have you ever seen the, the, uh, the Macy's parade on Thanksgiving? Um, just like on TV? Not that you have to go there, um, but if maybe you've been there. But if not, like, it's like an event, right? We always watch it in our house. Uh, and so the, the parade comes on. Now, the thing about the parade, when you're watching the parade, wherever you happen to be watching it from your vantage point, um, you see the parade come by, you see the beginning of the parade, and then it just kind of comes through. And then from your vantage point, you see the end of the parade, right? But imagine that parade, uh, if you would, if you were up in the blimp. And, and if you were high enough up in the blimp, you could see the beginning of the parade and the end of the parade right from your vantage point because you're seeing things differently. And so while you're 
in, at the parade, you can only see kind of what's coming by you. But if you have a different perspective, the parade's coming by, and you can see the beginning and the end of it. Well, I always think about that when I, watch, when I think about how God sees things, because he, he sees things from a different perspective and viewpoint. So he, he already knows how things are working out. And then, you know, we, we read about him in time and space, and, and so they, they look a little different to us. But um, he knew that this was going to be the outcome, but, but he had opportunities. Pharaoh could have repented um, at this display, but God knew that he wasn't going to because he'd already seen the end. So all these things were coming up in the process. Uh, he continues to resist the Lord. And he says to him at this point, yeah, I could have just done this already. I could have just spoken this in, but... These opportunities are coming. Now, he's using them to teach his people, but they're coming up as they go. Uh, and so um, Moses advised uh, the people to gather in a safe place because this was coming. He's telling the Egyptians, hey, this is coming. And, uh, and, and so now some of the Egyptians have figured this out, which is good. It only took six plagues. Uh, and they were like, well, he said the flies were coming, and they came, and the gnats were coming, and he came, and... Uh, the frogs were coming, and they came, and he said, so now he's saying hail is coming. We should probably get the livestock and the slaves and bring them inside. And some of them do that, and they're fine. And some of them go like, Psh. and uh, think about that, how stubborn people can be. And sure enough, verse 22 to 26, the seventh plague comes. Moses stretches his rod towards heaven. God sends thunder, rain, hail, and lightning that ran along the ground. And any person that wasn't undercover or any animal was killed. The plants and the trees were destroyed. Um, the flax and the barley harvest, which was ready, was destroyed. Um, and yet there was another harvest that would come. It wasn't quite ready yet, so they, they were going to have that one. And, and, uh, and yet once again the Lord protects His people in the land of Goshen, and nothing happens. And though we get into verses 27 through 35, Pharaoh sees this devastation. He gets to Moses, and he says, yeah, okay, uh, I've, I've really blown it this time. I've sinned. Um, so, so make it stop, and like I told you, it's this time I've sinned, and the other ones, uh, and yet he's lying once again, and uh, Moses knew that he wasn't telling the truth, but still it was time to put this one to stop, and, and uh, he asked God to stop it, and he did, but that is not the end of the story, but it is the end of uh, the chapter, and um, Pharaoh is still refusing to let Israel go. Um, but uh, he won't be able to hold out all that much longer. It's going to get worse. And uh, we'll see some stuff coming. But that's good for now. If you're watching my video, we appreciate you doing that. Love to have you come and be a part anytime. And we'll see you again soon.